0: VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly.
1: Well, all right, Linda Swain, in for Patty Daly, who is off today. Um, on this uh, very summery day, suddenly in the city of St. John's, walked out my door this morning with, uh, you know, my usual. I, I wear a t-shirt with a sweater over it, and I walked out not thinking to myself, oh, I don't need my jacket today, I don't need my winter coat today. <laughs> Walked at the door and I said, oh my goodness, I don't even need my sweater for that matter. I could just go out in the shirts. Anyway, uh, lovely. All, all of a sudden we have summer. Myself and Jerry Lynn Mackey were just talking about that. She said, it's like a, somebody flicked a switch and summer came on <laughs> suddenly. Um I went to um Marie's minimart yesterday and um one of the clerks was out by the door outside in a parka actual parka with the you know the wool <laughs> Fur around the hood and the whole nine yards. Um, But uh, very different today, up in the 20s today, so that's nice to see. For all the international media who are here, gathered as part of the biggest story that is, uh, you know, uh, gripping the attention of the world right now, and that is the ongoing search for the Titan submersible off the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador here. And, um, of course, time is ticking down. We're all very keenly aware of uh, some of the limitations uh and the time frame involved in this uh but as I just said to Jerry Lynn Mackey this entire search effort and it is international in scale um, is based on the premise that uh that submersible is intact and the people on board presumably uh still showing signs of life so um, we wish all the best to the many many people involved in that very complex operation. A lot of people wondering, perhaps, why this has been taking so long. That submersible, of course, uh, last heard from on Sunday morning, which seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? Uh, but a lot of people wondering why this whole process is taking so long. Well, uh, the logistics involved in this are just mind-boggling. Uh, when you consider the distance from shore, the depth to which we're speaking of, two miles down at the bottom of the ocean floor in a, in a ravine, an ocean ravine, um, and uh, the fact that it's midnight zone, the pressure involved in uh, de- water depths of that magnitude, um, and just getting equipment to the scene is extraordinary. It's about 400, as we keep being told, 400 miles southeast of St. John. St. John's being the, po- uh, well, the Avalon Peninsula, being the po- closest point of land uh, to this particular site. So first of all, you have to gather all of the expertise to come up with solid plans on how to do this. The logistics involved in that, not, not to mention personnel, the equipment, uh, how to get them there, um, keeping these people fed. <laughs> you know, um, When this particular expedition went down, it had a full year to plan the logistics. And this international effort now had hours and days to plan the logistics of a very complex, complicated uh, search. And what makes this even more complicated is the fact that um, we're dealing not only with the surface, but the subsurface. So it, it's a different kind of thing than the search for a vessel. Search for a vessel is, you know, doesn't have some of these elements. Because if a vessel goes down, presumably nobody is left alive unless they're in a, a life raft or they're, they're bobbing in the ocean in, in, a, in a life preserver. And then uh, your window um, to, for survivors is, is very limited because of the temperature of the ocean. But in this particular case, you have a contained tube that can sustain life for several days and could be anywhere. It could be on the surface. It could be two miles down sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor. The fact that this hasn't been heard from in uh, so many days is troublesome and worrying and leaves a number of scenarios open. If it has bobbed up to the surface, well, it could be virtually anywhere and would be difficult to spot because of its size. Um, And if it is below the water's surface, then that leads to a whole other set of scenarios. This is designed to come up in a number of ways, in a, under a number of contingencies, emergency-type contingencies, to make sure it gets to the surface. And as far as we know, this hasn't happened yet. Um, so that leads uh, to a number of scenarios, all of which are uh, too difficult to even contemplate, one being you know, entanglement somehow, either in wreckage or in uh, nets, or whatever the case may be or even a, a sea ledge because this is very, um, you know, rough terrain at the bottom of the ocean. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's not flat is what I'm trying to say. Um, so you've got those kinds of scenarios. Then you've got the scenario of uh, it's simply lost power is just sitting there. Uh, and then you've got the scenario that uh, it may no longer be intact. And that something much more catastrophic may have happened, which is, you know, not outside the realm of possibility, given the, the, the degree of water pressure that's involved. Anyway, the whole world is just watching this. And I know there are people who say, well, you know, these, the, these people signed up for this kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, you're going beyond the uh, realm of what humankind is meant to do. Uh, but there are five human beings on board and all of us can relate to that on some level or another one of whom is 19 years old Uh, so you know it it has resonated with just about every human being that i think uh on some level or another uh that i um that has come into contact with this particular story and how can you not be captivated by it um regardless of the outcome The Titan and the five people on board, regardless of the outcome, have become part of the legend of the Titanic, haven't they? I mean, and that is a story that has captivated generations of um, people over time. Uh, Over 100 years ago, that vessel went down with some 1,500 souls on board, and that story has captivated. And I've heard a lot of Newfoundlanders in particular saying, you know, People have no business being down there. And I know when the first expeditions went down back in the 1980s, that was one of the things. That's a grave site. And it's not just a grave site with a couple of people. That's a mass gravesite. site. Uh, and I know a lot of the conversation... Around uh, Robert Ballard going down there and then James Cameron and those kinds of things. A lot of the conversation at that time was leave it alone, it is a gravesite. And I know that um, um, tourism now has taken on this whole new edge for people who have the money um, to experience things that ordinary humankind can't experience. You know, people now taking tourist uh, trips into space. Uh, people taking tourist trips to the bottom of the ocean and to see the Titanic. Um, and part of the construction of this particular submersible was geared entirely towards the tourism experience. There's no seats in it or anything like that. You can sit cross-legged or with your feet out on the on a mat. So you can move around, and, and, and it's made to be silent. So you're not even going to hear, like, big engine sounds or anything. If you go down in a submarine, it's a, it's a very noisy place. So this was meant to be relatively quiet so that you could have conversations, you could talk about what you were seeing and that sort of thing. And Stockton Rush, uh, you know, explained that at length when he was here at the VOCM studios just a few months, a short months ago. Um, So, you know, tourism now is pushing those limits that we never thought possible. Uh, we've gone from exploration to tourism experiences, and uh, that's a conversation that's going to be had, no doubt, in the, in the weeks and months ahead. And whether or not uh, OceanGate will continue with these kinds of endeavors, I think it's fairly safe to say that this is probably not going to happen again, or at least not for a very long time. Anyway, if you have any thoughts about this ongoing story that has absolutely uh, dominated headlines and captivated the entire world, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. Well, there are continued concerns, of course, about what it will mean when the federal backstop comes into effect on July 1st. And I know it's all very uh, hard to get your head around what that means exactly, but what it means is that come July 1st, uh... the people of newfoundland and labrador will start to see the federal carbon tax applied to fuel prices before this there had been some kind of an arrangement in place whereby the newfoundland and labrador government was charging the carbon tax and offsetting it with a number of different things there's a very complicated formula involved in all of that sort of thing but when the federal backstop comes into effect that means that the uh... ottawa is going to be applying the carbon tax to fuel And that will mean that fuel prices will go up, whether that be home heating fuel, your gasoline, whatever the case may be. And here in Newfoundland and Labrador, of course, we rely on those things. I mean, uh, it's all well and good to say, well, this is an incentive to reduce your consumption of oil and gas. But realistically, people still need to heat their homes. And if you have a a furnace that has an oil um, furnace, sorry, if you're heating your home with an oil furnace, um, chances are you don't have the money to convert all of that into what other acceptable heating source might be available. And as you know, I had my heat going right up until this morning (laughs) on the first day of summer. right up until this morning the heat was on and it hasn't moved all winter long. So you know we don't have those luxury choices. We have entire communities in Newfoundland and Labrador particularly on the north coast of Labrador relying completely on diesel generated power. What kind of an impact is that going to have? Um, And of course we still need to get back and forth to work and Everything that comes into Newfoundland and Labrador, whether it be food or vehicles or whatever the case may be, has to come in by one of two means. Either it comes in on Marie Atlantic or it is flown in. There are no other choices. (laughs) We are on an island. And Labrador has its own set of challenges that we are all well aware of. Uh, So tell me where the alternatives are. For us, so um, the premier has mentioned this before, others have mentioned this as well. What will it mean when this federal backstop comes into effect on July 1st and the cost of fuel goes through the roof? What kind of an impact is that going to have? We've already seen the impact of rising inflation, grocery prices, for instance. I went to the store the other day, I was telling uh, the newsroom this the other day. Went to the store the other day. I usually pick up my um, garbage bags in bulk at places like Costco, so I only have to worry about that once every so many months. But I had I had to pick up some garbage bags the other day, and I went to my local grocery store, and I scanned the uh, shelves, and it used to be that a box of garbage bags was $3.99. And the price across the board was 1199. Just imagine now, from 399 to 11.99, what is going on? And what kind of an impact is that having? On you, I want to hear from you. By all means, give us a call. Speaking of inflation, retail sales continue to go up. I noticed a piece on CBC last night uh, indicating that the Bank of Canada will likely raise interest rates again next month. Do you have a mortgage? If you have a mortgage right now, you have to be sweating. I am sweating. I know other people who are sweating. What is this going to mean? And even if you have a fixed rate, that rate is up for renewal. And then you're going to get a shock. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, are you feeling the squeeze? Give us a call. Let us know what you have to say about that. It's the end of the school year. Yay! Watch for the kiddies. We uh, tend to think of kitties as, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old. But there's big kitties, too, that are excited to be out and around. And, of course, with this weather, you're going to see an awful lot more uh, young people out on the streets, especially on their bikes and their scooters and running around and having a great time and enjoying the finally this this summer-type weather that we're <laughs> finally experiencing. So please be aware of that driving around keep your speeds down be aware don't be distracted by your phone or anything else going on that you shouldn't be uh, distracted by you have a responsibility as a driver to uh, be safe on the road and uh, take into account everything that's going around you so uh, all the best to the kids and the staff who are getting a bit of a break now this summer and the pedestrian mall opens today in the city of st john's uh, a great initiative introduced during covid uh, that a lot of people take advantage of uh, however uh, the <laughs> downtown st john's right now a bit of a construction zone uh, so if you're heading down to the pedestrian mall we're told uh, by the city of st john's it's not going to impact the pedestrian ongoing work that's happening there it's not going to impact the pedestrian mall at all but if you are a business owner or anyone else uh, and you want to give us a call and let us know what you think about that by all means do so And um, very little information. I know there's a lot of frustration out there in the community about the ongoing investigation into that police shooting uh, earlier this month at Regatta Plaza involving uh, one man dead, uh, a 38-year-old man. No official information other than, uh, you know, a 38-year-old man is dead. Uh, reports indicate uh, that it is a uh, new Canadian, and and L finally issued a release uh, yesterday saying that uh, yes, it is a new Canadian. They did not name the, the man involved, although uh, various media sources, including VOCM, uh, have, uh, have named him um, just through, you know, um, you know, a variety of uh, means and, and, and resources, although there's no official confirmation. Uh, and uh, CERT and ELC are keeping a very uh, tight control of this particular investigation. They, they're called in immediately whenever there's a, a police shooting, for instance, and uh, they're called in immediately. And so they've taken control of that investigation. Normally, if uh, R- RNC or RCMP are involved in those types of investigations, they usually release, you know, a certain amount of basic information. Uh, timelines, those kinds of things, um, you know, the nature of the call, how they were, uh, how this uh, situation, unfolding situation was brought to their attention initially some of those initial kind of you know um, uh, pieces of information right now we have no idea and certain uh, L saying that it is not going to be releasing any of that information until its investigation is complete. So that's creating a void, I suppose, in the community. People speculating about what may have happened there and even, uh, you know, speculating about the identity of this person and what he had been going through in his lifetime. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. Uh, We're starting to get calls coming in now. By all means, anything that I've mentioned here, you're welcome to call us about or anything else that's on your mind. um, Come on with it. (laughs) The Phone number is coming up next. And we're back, Linda Swain in for Patty Daly. We're also keeping an eye, of course, on the fire in Spaniards Bay near Restaurant 99, so we'll keep you up to date on that particular situation. We're going to start the show this morning with Rose. Hello, Rose. Good morning, Linda.
2: How are you this morning? I'm not too bad. Uh, I am very disturbed. On all this situation about the Titanic and all those submersibles going down, you know, people don't have a heart because they're all down, there 1,500-plus souls went down with the Titanic. I mean, somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's grandparents, why don't they leave that grave site alone and let the dead rest in peace? You know, they're out there, with, oh, yes, they got all those big, all the money crowd that goes down. They're, to me, they are grave diggers. They're out for what they can get down at the bottom of the ocean, and disturb the dead. And it's outrageous. And it and it turns my stomach every time I hear a, a submarine or, or a diver or a just all he wants is to go down and take and take and take what they can get and and brag about what they got at the Titanic. But you know, Linda, it's a grave site. Why don't you let those people rest in peace?
1: And I'm hearing a lot of people say exactly the same thing. I think uh, over time we've started to lose sight of that. Um, We're uh, keenly aware of it. Of course, uh, Newfoundland and Labrador has long had this connection with the Titanic. Um, But uh, I think people sometimes lose sight of the fact that, uh, you know, it is a grave site and that there is a certain... (sighs) respect that you have to give to that? I, I, and uh, I've often heard people who have visited the site who have said, you know, they are aware, and they usually, you know, have a moment of silence, uh, silence and that sort of thing. But I doubt that. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, people like yourself think that it, they shouldn't be going down there in the first place, I suppose.
2: Well, you know, I, I mean, that submersal, uh, look, I hope they find it defines it, uh, and the ocean decides to take them. They're going to end up with with the rest of the ones with the Titanic. And, you know, I mean, I'm not wishing for it, but why don't people stay way back in the States where they belong and leave the dead alone and let them rest in peace? And I wish people let them, uh, you know, open their eyes, open their hearts. You know, have they got any feelings? Or have they got any hurt at all? Just, I mean, going down—it's a grave site. Just, I mean, the Titanic. It's unfortunate that it went down, and look, all the souls that went with it, and and they're coming over here and disturbing the dead, and it is sacred ground.
1: Rose, I, I appreciate your call this morning. We'll see what others have to say.
2: Well, I hope uh, I hope the message gets out there that lead the poor souls and all. Anyway, thank you for taking my call. All right, thank you. I have a good day. Bye bye,
1: uh, Rose. There uh, saying um, that you know people should not be going down to that uh, rec site. Be that as it may, uh, people have been going down, and now we have this situation unfolding. If you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go now to the uh, minister responsible for gender, and ge- gender equality, Pam Parsons. Hello.
3: Good morning, Linda, and happy full day of summer and happy last day of school to you and to all of our listeners across the province here today.
1: And a happy 20-plus degrees. I think this is the first time, isn't it, this year?
3: You know what? We've been waiting. We've been living in hope, and uh, hopefully this is the start of an amazing summer. We had a really hot summer last year, um, and, and as we know, we, although that said, I hope it's not too hot where we see wildfires again as we experienced last year here in our province and as we're seeing across the country. For but sure. Are you in the
1: th- district today?
3: I certainly am. I'm actually getting ready to head out to an assembly, actually now at one of the schools, here in Harbor Grace Port Grave and I wanted to take this opportunity to certainly extend thanks and gratitude to all of our school communities you know all of our teachers uh, school staff and of course our parents and guardians and the volunteers who contribute you know to the success of the school year each year to support our youth because as we know um, that certainly wouldn't be possible without all the support that we see and I was really happy to get around to some a number of the schools here in my district last week and this week and to host a pizza party for the students and and staff and it was certainly well-deserved and it was a great opportunity for me to get out and have a visit and uh, send well wishes to everyone to have a safe and happy enjoyable summer.
1: I'm going to pull the former journalist out of you now. Uh, What are
3: you hearing (laughs) about the fire in Spaniards Bay? Um, Well, just what we're hearing with the news. um, I know it's in the location of Restaurant 99, which is a a very popular Chinese restaurant here in Spaniards Bay. um, And that's what we're... And that said, too, I want to commend our firefighters because... You know, they're, they're the ones who are running into the d- disaster and, uh, you know, when everybody else is trying to escape for safety. So I know they're hard at work now. Um, and, uh, and out here in Harbour Grace, Port of Graves, in, in the region of Conception Bay North, everybody comes together. So if, if Spaniards Bay gets a call, we can expect Upper Island Cove and the Tennessee Bay Roberts, of course, respond. Bay Grave Grave is there to respond. Uh, the Brigade in Harbour Grace and Victoria and Carboneer, et cetera, uh, whatever's needed. Everybody pulls together here in, in time of need, in time of crisis. So certainly I want them to encourage them to be very safe, of course, as they do is very important work and ask that all members of the public you know give them the safety and the space that they need to do this. and please God, there'll be no fatalities or how much damage.
1: So, do you even know if it's uh, you know a, a, a home or? A, a I'm not aware at op- this
3: time. Yeah, but I'm actually heading to that town actually now. Momentarily, it's where I'm a, a, where I'm going to the the school assembly. So, I imagine I will find out. I mean, I, I do have close contact with a lot of the volunteer firefighters. So, well, I'm, if I'm you sure do I've, see
1: or hear anything else, we'll be wel- well. We can welcome you back on the show to give us a little update. Um, sure. Uh, so, uh, what's going on in the district this summer?
3: Well, I want to wear my MHA hat here for a moment um, because I just want to inform my residents, the constituents of Harbor Grace Porter Grave, um, that we will be getting some significant road work this summer. Um, Route 70, actually, in Bay Roberts from the area of LT Stick Drive as you come off the Veterans Memorial. Uh, from that area right up into and inclusive to Jungle Gyms to the Water Street entrance here in Bay Roberts. Um, it's a busy business district, as we, as many of us know. We know uh, Bay Roberts, I like to call it the hub, actually, of the Bay, the business hub. And we have a lot of traffic, significant traffic volumes on that road each and every day. Um, so we're going to be getting some some work there. That's going to be repaired. That whole that whole stretch. Uh, I guess we'll have to uh, we'll have to put up with the construction. But that's hopefully uh, you know that's that's a good complaint I guess. And because uh, I know residents have been calling for this for quite some time. And as you know, Linda, you can appreciate with all 40 districts. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of need for pavement repair and road repair across the entire province. But I'm happy to say we're going to get this work done this summer. Also, the Portage Graves Peninsula, a lot of heavy traffic going back and forth there, of course, because of the fishery. I'm going to be getting work done there on the Port Peninsula as well this oh, summer. Oh, good. So residents, yeah, yeah, so, it's rough. And it's it, rough in some areas there, yeah. It is, and we know we see a lot of traffic there as well, even during the winter months, as we know uh, our boat lighting, the famous boat lighting in Port of Graves that attracts people from all over the province. And, I mean, that's even renowned uh, across, the, across the country and, and even in, in internationally. Uh, people come for the boat lighting, so... It's well needed, and I'm happy to say that this is finally going to come for residents this summer, and other work will be going on throughout the district as well.
1: I haven't been out the way in, that way in a little while, but what about that little section there in Hibbs Hole, that uh, area that had been
3: completely almost washed out uh, right along the cliffside there? Well, that will be inclusive um, with the work that will be in the, the Port of Peninsula. So uh, I guess we'll stay tuned and see exactly what contractors will be doing. But certainly, I've been lobbying for that whole area. And uh, and you know, Portigrave is is quite far. You know, you you, you take the road off off Route 70 in Bay Roberts and you head on down. Beautiful scenic community and a lot of tourist traffic uh, as well. well. But uh, again, the fishery. This is one of the busiest communities in the fishery in Newfoundland and Labrador. So it's well needed. And I'm happy to say this is certainly going to happen. And it's it's timely because next year, next summer in Bay Roberts for the first time in our history. The province has awarded the Town of Bay Roberts to host the Newfoundland and Labrador Summer Games. Uh, this was supposed to happen a couple of years ago with COVID, during the COVID time. But as we know, COVID changed plans for a lot of us in many ways. That's going to be our plan on, on schedule for next summer. So it'll it'll be perfect timing for that as well.
1: And as you said, no pain, no gain. I can imagine now uh, what it's going to be like with that uh, construction work on the main highway there <laughs> through Bay Roberts in that very, very busy section. It's, uh, it's difficult to navigate at the best of times sometimes, but um, please exercise patience, all you drivers out there this summer while the construction's
3: underway. Absolutely. And we we see this, you know, that's when the construction season is. We have a window to work with with regards to the weather. Um, Just finishing up Harvey Street, actually, because happy to get work done on Harvey Street in Harbor Grace. As you know, you and I have talked about this previously. Um, That's been done in phases, but I'm happy to say that's near completion now as well. And that was a road that was uh, certainly sees a lot of traffic through Harbor Grace. And residents there have been calling for repairs, and I'm I'm happy to say that you know that's that's pretty much done now. And it takes time, but we'll get there. And I just want to certainly assure my constituents that I'm always advocating on their behalf um, behind the scenes, and 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 as well here on on shows like this. So it takes time, but we will get it done. And I always say, Linda, by working together, we achieve the greatest results. So, I uh, certainly want to wish everybody a happy and safe summer. But at this time, I also want to send out prayers. Um, as you know, and of course, as VOCM has reported, a very serious uh, accident involving a dirt bike, um, just this past weekend. And of course, that young man is, uh, he's, he's in, certainly is fighting for his life. Um, so there's a lot of people here pulling together for prayers for the family that he pulls through. Please, God, he will make a full recovery. And I just want to send out my prayers and my thoughts uh, with the family and everybody here's community are certainly praying and keeping keeping them all in, uh, in their prayers and their, in their thoughts.
1: Absolutely. Uh, such a terrible, terrible uh, accident there and um, absolutely preventable, too, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're wishing the best to that young fella and his entire family. Absolutely.
3: Right. Well, thank you, Linda. and you have a great summer, and I imagine you and I will be chatting and uh, certainly if I receive any updates i will I will call in. and uh, with regards to the the farther happening in Spaniards Bay, but again, uh, please God nothing you know we don't see any fatalities or any injuries.
1: Certainly, uh, Pam Parsons, thank you. Thank you. Take good care. All right, bye bye. Uh, Pam Parsons, there, the MHA for Harbor Grace Port De Grave. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Weekday mornings from five thirty to
0: nine, jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your V O C M morning show.
1: And we are back. Linda Swain in for uh, Patty Daly who's off today and we're going to go now to the Medical Services Coordinator with the Proactive Wellness Centre. Evan Parsons is on the air. Hi Evan.
4: Hi Linda. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
4: Good. Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Just wanted to really kind of take this opportunity to tell um, yourself and the listeners about a couple of opportunities that we have here at Proactive. Okay. I'm not sure what we have now announced that we're doing. We used to do it before, what we call the DOC Doc Day of Clinic. Um, So we're basically offering a walk-in clinic for people without a family doctor here in the St. John's uh, metro region. Um, Just for people who come in, they call the clinic at uh, 800-9050 and book an appointment with one of the family docs, and they'll get an appointment to hopefully get seen.
1: Uh, so um, how are you set up then? Are you in a one space or you move around? What's going on?
4: 100% yes. Yeah. So um, Proactive as a whole, we have multiple ca- locations throughout Newfoundland, um, but only a couple are medical. So this we're currently doing out of our out Road location. Um, so there are only about 20 slots available when we do announce it. So we announced it on our Facebook page, uh, Proactive Wellness Centre, where you can call the clinic at 800 zero50 zero and there's an option for this and uh, it will kind of give you the options, and you can speak to someone and hopefully get booked in.
1: So you have to make an appointment, but uh, is, this, um, is this with a, um, a registered nurse, with a... It's with a, a family physician. F- with a family physician, and, and for that's for anybody who uh, might have an issue and and doesn't have access to a uh, family doctor?
4: A hundred percent, and hopefully it can keep people out of the ERs and... Uh, Things like that, because, I mean, as you know, Linda, Newf- the healthcare in Canada, but especially Newfoundland as a whole, is in a pretty dire spot, and we don't have all the answers, but we do have a few solutions, and hopefully this is one of them.
1: And is this uh, billed to MCP, or do you have to pay, or how does that work?
4: Yep, so this is fully billed through MCP, so there's no cost to the patient. Um, they just come in, see the doctor, and uh, go on again. So we kind of take a different approach here at Proactive, kind of a collaborative approach, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of us, but we do have a whole team of family physicians, specialists, uh, physiotherapists, massage, occupational therapy. So we kind of do have that sort of collaborative approach as a true multidisciplinary clinic. Um, so it's quite great for the patient when I mean, they can come in, they can see the family doctor. If they need to see a physiotherapist, that option is there, or a massage, or even a dietitian, or even specialist. So there's a whole wide range of things that the patient has access to, and a true, again, collaborative approach to the patient.
1: And so, yeah, this is kind of the approach that the uh, provincial government is is trying to take now.
4: 100 percent, yeah, because they have started doing some of the collaborative clinics. Um, this is something that we've been doing for quite some time now and has quite grown. Um, again, as I mentioned, we have multiple cl- uh, clinics throughout the province, but currently our flagship is the one there on Out Road. But we have a new one going in Galway as well, the Galway Wellness Centre. Not sure if you've seen that when you're going up to Costco or anything.
1: I have, in, in fact, Yes.
4: Yeah, so that should be opening hopefully now in July and that again will be another uh, collaborative clinic with multiple specialists, family physicians, the whole rehab side uh, with physiotherapists, massage and things like that and hopefully more initiatives coming.
1: Yeah, so I'm seeing your ad here now. Pop-up walk-in clinic at Proactive Wellness Center. Dr. Jessica Fowler will be offering an appointment-based walk-in clinic for non-urgent care appointments only. That would be prescription refills or renewals, minor respiratory symptoms, UTIs, et cetera, et cetera. But she will not be refilling or prescribing any narcotics.
4: No. Nope. <laughs> right on. Nope. so the whole the whole goal is kind of keep people out of the ER. And right? I mean... I mean, someone's going to the long weekend with me in a sore throat, a UTI, hopefully keep them out of the ER and get them well.
1: Yeah, those little things that make you miserable <laughs> if it's not to. It, it seen can really to. put a
4: damper on your weekend. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so this is, um, you're calling it a pop-up clinic. So this is a one-off or what?
4: So we announced it on our Facebook page more so than anything when we're doing the clinics. Um, hopefully attempt to do them almost weekly, but we will announce on our Facebook page, Proactive Wellness Center. But uh, if you also call the clinic, there is a menu option and you click that, it will tell you if we're doing the clinic that week or not.
1: And the number to call is uh, 800-9050. Correct. Yeah, the, not to do the 1-800, it's one 800 9050 And you hit option nine to book an appointment? Yes. Very good. Uh, let us know how it goes.
4: We'll do yeah we, this this will be our third time doing it, so we've done it for the past two weeks and it's been quite successful and uh, some great feedback from the patients coming well- in you know what i mean a beautiful area coming in, getting the doc seen pretty quickly and everything dealt with. And even a couple of people coming in with some MSK issues, able to see a physiotherapist right away. So it's, it's, it's a great service for the people of the province.
1: Will there be opportunities for follow-up? Because, you know, let's say, for instance, you need uh, some kind of a scan or an X-ray or whatever. Will there be an opportunity for follow-up? Because I, I, that's what I hear a lot of people say. You know, I go to a clinic, I get this done, and then I never hear anything.
4: 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, if we order any tests or anything like that, we need to bring the person back. We will most definitely handle that. And people can book as many times as they want.
1: All right. Well, Evan, I really appreciate your call this morning. Thanks so much.
4: Thanks so much, Linda.
1: Already. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, and uh, if you are looking for information on that, 1-800-9050. 1-8, uh, We're going to go now to Lindy. You're on the air. Hi, Lindy. Good morning. How are you this morning?
5: Not too bad so far. That's good here. What's up? Uh, I got a, a bit of a complaint there with uh, 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 an ad- advertisement that's running on uh, that channel or that station, whatever, with regards to uh, buying a side-by-side or a quad. Okay. And uh, I'm, it, it says that uh, buy one of these uh, new machines and go out and tear up the countryside. And I just plain don't agree with it.
1: Is that what the ad says? I'm not aware. I'm not familiar with that.
5: Well, not in those exact words, but uh, close to it.
1: All right. uh, So you take exception to that.
5: Yes, I certainly do. I saw things like that years ago uh, that were done. And uh, I, I didn't like it too much. I guarantee you.
1: Um, Well, you know, uh, these uh, off-road vehicles, if not used responsibly, uh, can do a lot of environmental damage. I've seen it myself. I've been up in a helicopter and had a look at, uh, you know, how bogs are destroyed by these things. Uh, People just, you know, tearing across the bog. And, I mean, bogs are very important parts of the ecosystem. Um, And once they're destroyed like that, it takes an awful long time for them to uh, heal and do what they need to do.
5: It certainly does. So I don't see why it needs to be in that commercial. You know, you can advertise without putting put something like that in there. All right. Um,
1: fair enough. I'm not familiar with it, but uh, I, I get your point.
6: Okay. Thank you. All
1: right. Thanks, Lindy.
6: Yeah. Have a good day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You're certainly welcome to give us a call. We have lines open right now. Now is your opportunity. Um, and, uh, whatever it is that's on your mind as we head into, um, this sunny summer day, I'm going to say day, I'm not going to say the entire summer because we don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, any thoughts, uh, give us a call. And we're back. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today. And uh, I don't know if you've been following this story, but uh, Canada Bread will be paying $50 million Canadian after pleading guilty on Wednesday to four counts of price fixing dating back to the mid-2000s. The plea is part of a years-long investigation by the Federal Competition Bureau, which called it a a significant milestone in its ongoing investigation. According to the court documents, Canada Bread admitted that it had arranged with its competitor Weston Foods to raise prices for bread products like sandwich bread, hot dog buns and rolls. The price fixing resulted in two price increases for fresh bet bread and baked goods, one in 2007, the other in 2011, according to uh, the BBC. And, of course, uh, lots of people watching that particular story as it unfolds. And if you have any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. But uh, it begs the question, doesn't it, uh, if um, Canada Bread was able to do this kind of uh, price-fixing and collusion, um, what's, what about other Uh, types of industries. It certainly raises the question, I'm not saying that it is actually happening widespread, but um, it certainly leaves a a question with the consumer. And now we've seen um, prices going through the roof on just about everything. And we're um, always given the same reasons for that, uh, including um, things like the supply chain and uh, you know post-COVID recovery and of course anytime you have a pandemic like the one that we've just gone through and are continuing to go through for that matter um, you're going to see these upheavals and changes and all of these kinds of things so they're going to have all kinds of weird impacts until things eventually we hope settle down but um, uh, it remains to be seen uh, when and if we're going to see any kind of price relief in the near future and of course with this Carbon tax backstop coming into effect on July the first. That's raising even more questions nowadays. And I don't mean to be a fearmonger, but are there all things that we have to um, take into account and consider? We're going to go now to Charlie. You're on the air. Hi, Charlie.
7: Oh, good morning, Linda. I, I didn't expect to get on soon. But okay. How, how is everything with you? Good. I I hope you're enjoying the uh, the, the, the first of summer.
1: Well, we hope it's. Uh, uh, you know, it lasts.
7: <laughs> how, about, uh, how about in the low 20s? We've been,
1: uh, well, I I can handle that. Uh, you know, we've been disappointed before. Let's be honest. It's Newfoundland and Labrador, and it wasn't that long ago that we uh, experienced another so-called January. Um, yeah. That was only just a few short years ago. So uh, we were spoiled the last couple of years. We had an early start to summer and a very warm, sunny uh, summer, which is... Unusual for these parts of the world, so uh, we've been a little bit spoiled lately. But uh, honestly, we do deserve a bit of a break, I think.
7: Okay, I'd like to. Uh, I have three topics, I think, here, but two are very short. But I was, I was thinking the other day. I've, I've said this, I guess, on radio many times. Uh, I was thinking, how many people do I know in my life who use higher level mathematics? And you know, Linda, there was. A lot of professions and so on, and different lines of work. I couldn't think of any. Can you think of any offhand yourself? That, uh,
1: Higher levels that? of mathematics? um yes, I'm talking
7: about abstract math, polynomials, and all that stuff, calculus and that, you know? Well,
1: I would imagine that uh, engineers employ it. Um,
7: oh, no, I'm, I'm so, sorry. Engineers too. That's one of the few. I'm talking about people that you physicists? know in your life day to day.
1: Day to day, no one.
7: okay. That's, that's uh, yes, I know, I know there's, there's, there's two or three that engineers would be one. Professors,
1: uh, I, math professors in particular, uh, you know, some of those uh, higher level uh, type of professions, uh, physicists, like I said, you know, yes. uh, anyone in the scientific realm, um, but, uh, you know, I don't have any personal friends in, in those types of professions.
7: So I did a little bit of digging, and uh, looking at this would be from the States, over four-fifths of uh, the population would use uh, fractions and basic math only. A small percentage, very small, would use higher-level calculus. Because uh, of that, of that 20 percent above the fractions and that, they would use basic algebra, basic calculus, basic geometry, and that would be. Uh, at a very, very small number as well. So those that use that, I would call the higher level mathematics that we constantly uh, subject people to in university and uh, so on, uh, very, very few. And I would ask the question, why put roadblocks in front of students who will never use it? And, and if anybody thinks there's not roadblocks put in regard to mathematics, I'll give you two examples. Tim Power... powers, is it, that I speak to regularly, he was, uh, he had a awful time with mathematics, he said, and Bill Rowe, a Rhodes Scholar, had the same story. Now That's just two of of the uh, uh, people that uh, I speak to uh, over the years. Um,
1: So what are you suggesting, though, uh, Charlie? Are you suggesting that it no longer be taught in in, uh, post-secondary or even in high school level?
7: No, I'm not suggesting that at all, but I I have an alternative, or I I, I have something that to me is equally uh, uh, important, or I would say much more important. No, I would suggest that as a stream of students, I mean, there's some students who love mathematics. Let Let them fill their boots. They'll go on in university and do well. I'm suggesting that there's a large number of people who do have trouble with abstract math, who are forced at some level? I, I can think of, uh, of the nursing profession as one. Uh, I'm sure they use lots of milliliters and liters and so on. I doubt if any of them uh, uh, use higher level math. I'm sure they. I'm sure they don't. So that's only one group there. It's like, I don't know. For some reason, we have this idea, and to me, it's it's, it's an old way of thinking that math higher level math abstract math is as important as let's say reading which is obviously uh, we have to have a good standard for everybody so I guess I'm suggesting let's think about other ways that we can organize the curriculum and I I have one uh, title there I would call the course affluenza and this would take the place of some of the higher level math how do we live on this planet sustainably? How do we deal with consumerism gone mad, which destroys lives as well as uh, 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 the way we live on this planet, because we can't sustain for 8 billion people. Uh, we just can't sustain it. And um, I heard an interview on your uh, station, I think it was Mark Wall and a lady from Bhutan a doctor, she studied here in Canada, she was talking about the happiness equation, how high it is in Bhutan, And I would suggest that interview there talks about exactly what I'm talking about. The idea that in our society, the more money you have and the more goods that you accumulate, you can be happier. Well, the studies have shown time and time again that's not the case. Uh, 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 we all like to have a fairly high standard of living, but above that it certainly doesn't make it uh, uh, uh make a person any happy in fact some of some of the most miserable people I know are our, our, our money ox. But anyway, I won't get into that. But that's just a few thoughts I've had on this, uh, Linda. I don't know if you want to say anything
6: on it
1: or not. Well, in terms of, of what you're saying about math, uh, when I went to school, and I, I went to school in, in Montreal, so, uh, you know, this different type of, um, you know, curriculum and that sort of thing, each province and jurisdiction has their has different, uh, you know, curriculums, but um, or curricula, Um But when I went to school, you had the option after grade nine to pursue higher math or drop it. And, of course, I couldn't drop it fast enough. Math was always something that plagued me. I, I hated it. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Uh, it uh, served no purpose to my life or where I could see my life going, and I could not um, drop it fast enough. And uh, thankfully, I dropped it in grade nine, and then I was happy as a lark, and I pursued my history and all that sort of stuff that I love. So um <laughs> And it served. It served me. It hasn't. It hasn't harmed me. Put it that way in my career. Um, but there were lots of kids that did pursue higher math, and the, I presume that they went on to be uh, doctors and in the medical field and the scientific fields and all those kinds of things, engineers and the like. Uh, so we had that option, which was great. Um, and if you're struggling, why would you continue to be subjected to that? at higher levels when it's very likely that you're not going to pursue a a career in that realm. So I I follow what you're saying in that.
7: Well you're the third host now who've uh, who've, uh, backed up this this idea that uh, uh, having everybody uh, sort of subjected to this, uh, which we do in Newfoundland, uh, uh, anybody who who, Speaks to anybody interviewing education, math always comes up. We're way behind the rest of Canada in math skills and so on. I would suggest that your system, what you talked about there, is 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 what I'm talking about exactly. At a certain level, let people choose, and a a grade nine level seems eminently reasonable uh, to to me. But anyway. uh, Uh, A course on affluenza and the way we live, what David Suzuki has been talking about all all these uh, years on CBC, I'd suggest that our way of life is not sustainable, hasn't been for a long time. And with uh, the increased population and the increase of uh, people buying things, uh, societies like China and India Uh, They aspire to what we have more and more and more. And you can't blame them. It's human nature, I guess. But it seems like to me, these vital areas uh, uh, regarding the way we live and how we're affecting things on, on the Earth, like climate change and so on, it's like... They're, they're dealt with in passing, or if a, if a certain teacher has a yin for this, uh, they'll, they'll talk about it, bring up news items, and so on. But it's not part of the structure of the curriculum like mathematics and reading would be. And I would suggest if we look at the world as it is today, surely God, th- th- these things should be number one, that we learn how to grow our own food. We learn about meditation. We, we learn how, how, how to keep ourselves mentally healthy and so on. But anyway, I guess uh, I'll keep on saying it, and uh, I'll keep on being frustrated. That's been, my, <laughs> that's been my history for the last three decades. Well,
1: maybe we'll get Mark Wall to get you on the show.
7: <laughs> well, Mark Wall, I would suggest that if he uh, heard what I just said, he would be in complete agreement, as would the lady of, uh, of Bhutan. By the way, I should say the science uh, has changed and incorporates many of the things I'm talking about. But it's like in Newfoundland, we stay traditional. The old is true, which which is not always uh, true. But anyway, I'll leave it at that.
1: Charlie, uh, we'll have to leave it there. We're up to news time. Thanks so much.
7: Okay, you're welcome. All then.
1: right, bye bye. Any thoughts on what Charlie's had to say, or anything else that's been uh, discussed on the show, or if you want to introduce your own topic, by all means, give us a call. Our lines are open right now. We're up to news time now with Brian Medor. Uh, here are the numbers.
0: Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM.
1: And it's Linda Swain in for Patty Daly today. He is off. Um, and our lines are open, so now is your opportunity to give us a call on anything you've heard so far this morning or anything that is on your mind and of course what's on a lot of people's minds of course is that search off the coast of newfoundland uh, right now for the titan submersible and uh, everybody is aware of the time that is ticking down on that by all accounts about four days or 96 hours of oxygen available um, on the titan and um, Stockton Rush when he was here at VOCM indicated there was about four days of oxygen on board but the co-founder of OceanGate Guillermo Sondhalin says that uh, he thought that the window for a rescue operation was longer than others have estimated. Uh, So he's suggesting that there could be more. And and as you just heard in VOCM News then, uh, that it all depends on a variety of factors. If everybody remains calm on that uh, particular vessel, and um, they don't panic or uh, start to breathe heavily or whatever the case may be, um, or scream or, you know, a lot of excessive talking, I suppose. You could uh, conserve a lot more oxygen. And there are people on board that particular submersible, including uh, Paul-Henri Nargiolet, who apparently is among the uh, leading... um, minds, I suppose, on on submersible um, technology and uh, survival in those kinds of circumstances. And I've heard it said now a number of times that um, if you're going to have anybody with you in that kind of a circumstance, it would be uh, this particular gentleman, Paul-Henri Nargiolet. Uh, and the French, of course, involved in this, L'Atlant, is on the scene and is um, uh, dropping its ROV into the water as we speak to have a look. Um, the Horizon uh, Arctic is on the scene. It arrived there early this morning and dropped an ROV that is currently on the ocean floor as we speak, searching for the titan and we'll continue to keep you uh um, up to date on all the latest on this and i would imagine the u.s coast guard which is leading this particular uh massive search effort will give us a update later today and you'll hear more about that of course on vocm news as well we're going to go now to john Chasson. you're on the air hi john
8: good morning how are you doing i'm good how are you well, I'm good. I'm glad to uh, hear that all the searching is going on for that sub because I mean it's getting that time now to getting a bit ridiculous. But uh, in light of that, uh, I was t- well. I want to talk to you about the Aboriginal situation. Uh, like uh, myself, too, personally, I was uh, a, a part of the Métis Association here in Goose Bay, Labrador, for about 40 years. Then. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, when they became uh, the new Tuvalu government, they uh, put—they were going to put me down to uh, just an associated member, um, and now uh, I'm hearing through the grapevine that uh, they're going to uh, take out all the associated members that belongs to the new Tuvalu government. So it does mean that all my me and my family and everything and and everybody else around that's associate members is getting kicked out. I mean, this is utterly ridiculous is what they're doing to us people. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? I was there for 40 years and then become an associate member, and then now we're being kicked out.
1: So what do you mean by kicked out? I mean, we're Nuna Tuovut Community Council uh, is the former Labrador Métis Association, correct? Correct and so you were a member a longtime member of the Labrador metis Association so what's what's changed or what's what's happened now that you are no longer a part of that organization?
8: Well I'm part, of, I'm part of that organization and well at at first when i was uh when I was the Métis, a part of metis, I had all my rights like I could go hunting and fishing under the Métis Association, which was perfect. Then after that, when they became new to government, they made, they made me, as well, was going to make me an associated member, an associated member with no rights.
1: An associated now, member with no rights. So <laughs> what does right. that mean? Uh, you, you've you got I mean, a I'm title not, I'm only?
8: I'm just, yeah, it said it's, uh, with no rights, I wouldn't, I would go hunting. I wouldn't, I would go fishing. Under the Métis, under the Nunavut government, I wouldn't go hunting. I'm not no going fishing, and it didn't get nothing. Well, we got uh, some stuff from the. Uh, so who uh, determines? Nuna like, say...
1: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm trying to figure out who determines who has Indigenous rights in the area. Is it Nunavut itself, or is it the federal government, the provincial government? Uh, how does that work?
8: Well I don't really know. I, I think it's the new to the government because I mean under, under, well it could be, it could and it could be the federal government that's, that's associated, saying, oh, listen, you guys got uh, your uh, claim now, uh, you will be kicking out all the, the associated members, which is uh, to me is not right, but they're doing it anyway. Uh, then we don't get nothing. We don't get absolutely nothing. Uh, we haven't got no rights whatsoever under and I mean I'm I'm a part of the MT association. I was part of the May association for almost fifty years not going on fifty years. But now they're making this uh they got this little plan going on and we're the one who 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 sets up the meeting and now they're saying that we're gonna be kicked out. All the associated members are going to be kicked out so we won't belong to no uh like the Noon over gun, we won't be belonging to them no more.
1: So have you been officially notified or is that what you're hearing?
8: Oh no, just so officially I was officially so notified because I put I put in an application to uh noon over because I mean I, I said well becoming an associate member is better than have nothing. And I put my I put in my application and I went to uh to, what I said, over a year going on? Going on two years, and I went and checked what uh, what's going on, and the lady's telling me in the, in the, into the office, uh, she says, well, they're having a meeting, and they're saying that they're going to kick out all the new the, all the new uh, not know what uh, all the associated members are not going to be uh, eligible to apply to them no more, and I've got nephews. I got I got one of my nephews that uh, he's the one that came over and told me this. Uh, because he said they uh he he applied for his kids because I mean uh applying for his kids under that I mean they get like uh, the benefits of to uh uh noon or two of it and all that and uh, now uh they're saying that they're not even gonna be uh eligible to uh, to get on. That's utterly ridiculous, I'll tell you what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to play catch up on you here to uh, understand what's happening. Uh, so you, you said that now that they got their rights, have they been successful in their in their land right claims?
8: They did. They were successful, according to what I'm hearing. Anyway, they, well, well, I know but the thing is, they are a part of the federal under the under the Aboriginal group. Under the were no two of it, and they are they are got they got a claim. To the government the government gave them a land claim and uh, now uh, the associated members are not are going, are going, all gonna be kicked out uh, at first we were there were all our associated members were just like associate members uh, you get uh, some kind of benefits from them like hospital care or stuff like that and uh, and if you uh, if you had uh, if you're a senior you get uh, uh, food vouchers and stuff like that. But now that's all being kicked out. There's all going to be no more associated members, according to what I'm hearing lately.
1: Well, I'd, I'd like but, to hear what uh, Todd Russell has to say on that. We'll try and get him now uh, over oh, the course of the show.
8: Please. Oh, please, will you? God, I'd like to hear him talk about that, because the thing is unreal what they're, what they're going through. It's unreal to me and it's unreal to the people that I represent and my nephews and my nieces and all that. The ones that's uh, like, I mean, we're Aboriginal because I, I've got uh, uh, Aboriginal right down, but it's Indian. And I've got some Inuit on my side, too. i got some Inuit on my side because I've got my genealogy done. And, but where I don't belong to Labrador, apparently where I don't belong to Labrador, I belong to, to, to Canada, part of Canada. I don't belong to Labrador. I cannot be a member.
1: So you were a Mi'kmaq?
8: A uh, Mi'kmaq, yeah.
1: Okay, so would you not fit under, uh, let's say, uh, the Halibut? But you wouldn't have land rights in Labrador.
8: That's right. But I see not land rights. You know What I mean, I mean, I, I've got, I've got. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll get, I got. I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about my kids and my grandkids and stuff like that that's coming up now. Uh, I mean, honor my wife because my wife is. Uh, uh, Inuit, or oh, what did they? You know. Uh, so I mean, they're getting all their cards. On my, my side, on my wife's side, and me, we're okay. on getting, they're getting all their, uh, their cards and benefits and everything. But on my side, my sisters and their kids and everything, they're just being kicked out because they had their cards. They all did under the. Under Todd Russell and, them and that group, they all had their cards. But now they're losing it, and they're no, they won't give it to the kids or nothing. You know, you can't get nothing from them no more. So I mean, you know, it's sort of ridiculous. I know what I'm going to have to do. We're going to have to start in our own. we uh, uh, going to have to start our own little clang, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's utter ridiculous what they're doing to the people.
1: John Chason, I'm I'm glad you gave us a call to uh, let us know what's um, happening in that uh, area. Um, we'll try and get Todd Russell on the show now to explain what's happening there.
8: Yes, please. And see, the thing is, and they're celebrating all, all across Canada. This uh, Aboriginal, uh, what's going on, Indigenous people, and everything. Well, we're Indigenous people, and we're getting treated like this. You know, it's it's not it's not very. Uh, it's not very uh, uh, fun. It's not. Well, it's not fun whatsoever. It's not. It's really, It's ridiculous. I thank you for your uh, listening to me. And you're. Yeah, I'm going to be listening now to see if you could get Todd Russell or uh, even the vice president or something to explain to him what what they're doing to us. Say. it's un unreal.
1: All right, uh, John. Uh, thanks so much, and thanks for raising it. No, thank you. Okay, Dana. Bye-bye. Uh, your thoughts on what he's had to say there? Anyone else similarly affected uh, by these changes that John says are being made to the Nuna Tuavut Community Council? I'd like to hear from you as well. And we're going to try and reach uh, Todd Russell uh, with Nuna Tuavut, uh, when we come back after the break. Uh, this is um, open line. I almost said news talk. I'm used to doing that now. <laughs> uh, the phone numbers are coming up. Yeah, we're back. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly. And how fortunate that uh, weather conditions are uh, fairly good out at that search site. Uh, according to the U.S. Coast Guard, winds about uh, 14 miles per hour. They use miles, of course, because they're in the United States, with gusts up to 19 miles per hour, which, you know, is is uh, very good. Sea uh, state, uh, four to five what swells with an air temperature of about uh, 50 degrees and we all know too well that uh, conditions are not always that good uh, in the North Atlantic. So um, how fortunate that uh, the weather conditions are um, very conducive towards this uh, massive search effort that's underway now off the coast. And um, that U.S. Navy salvage system, that's the one that they were talking about a couple of days ago, that's uh, capable of, um, you know, r- lifting large objects off the bottom of the ocean. In fact, it was successful in in uh, retrieving a stealth fighter from the bottom of the South China Sea last year um, in uh, depths comparable to the ones that uh, the Titanic wreck site is at right now. Um, that has arrived in St. John's. Whether or not it's actually on the uh, scene at the search site yet, we do not know, but they're certainly putting everything in place. And um, the the, the entire tone, I suppose, while we are aware of um, the the time ticking down and the window of opportunity that's available here quickly closing, the tone to now has continued to be quite optimistic. The fact that so many resources are being um, um, put into this search effort would indicate that there is a lot of hope. And they spoke about that at length yesterday during that briefing by the U.S. Coast Guard in Boston. They spoke a lot about the hope involved and the fact that sounds have been heard and it's still not quite identified but uh, that seems to have narrowed down the the search effort somewhat and so where there's hope (laughs) uh, we all live in hope don't we so um, a lot of things uh, being uh, considered here and certainly uh, a lot of effort being put into this particular uh, scenario and we're going to keep you up to date on that as the day um, evolves we're going to go now to selena you're on the air hi selena
9: hey linda good morning how are you? Um, not too bad. How are you doing?
1: Good. What's on your mind?
9: Um, I just want to first comment on Rose earlier this morning about the Titanic. Um, I agree with her. I don't think anybody should be going down there. Uh, I'm not a religious person myself, uh, but I don't think people should be doing it. And if you're looking at millionaires and billionaires, and you're going to be spending multi thousands of dollars to go down into that debt, then you're you're you know you're just signing your own life up, really. Um, I hope the best for all of them for sure, but I mean at the same time it just seems ridiculous to me and outrageous. Well,
1: prices. you know, there are people who um, live life on the outer fringes, if you will, that, that, uh, well, that uh, myself,
9: you know. I should probably keep going because that's all I want to say about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no check.
1: trouble. Uh, no, but, the, you know, there are people who uh, want to push things. I mean, humankind is about uh, challenging itself and, and pushing limits and all that sort of thing. We We wouldn't be here today if we all oh, sort of, of played course, it safe, I mean, if you know what I I'm saying. Do.
9: I do it myself. I do whitewater kayaking, mountain climbing, like, you know, anything that I can do that's outside of the box, right? But even if I did have a billion dollars, I wouldn't go to the Titanic.
1: No, oh, and there's a lot of people anyway, like yourself, yeah, on that.
9: You know, anyway, change the subject. Um, mental health and addictions. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. I don't have to name anybody. Okay, so, as everybody knows, I was an alcoholic for 25 years, and when I realized I had an addiction, I finally got help. And what a weight it was off my shoulders. All you have to do is realize you have it, and you get help. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. And I'm not going to say anything about who it is, but everybody knows because it won't stop coming on the TV and the radio. And I know this person personally don't like this person. Professionally love this person. But it's false advertising, Linda, because I know a lot of addicts and a lot of people with mental health, including myself, that they all know they're sick. But when you go to look for the help, it ain't there. I've got every number known to mankind from Patty, from other sources, and there is no help. There's no detox beds available. You can't go to the detox center. If you detox at home, you could die. You can't get into the Waterford. You can't get into the psychiatric or addiction place in the health science. There's nowhere to go. There's nobody to help you. Only you and you call the warm line and they don't answer the phone. There's nobody, it's like running around a clock. And I'll keep saying it, it's from 12 to 12. Every phone call 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 vary. Like it goes around a circle and nobody's getting help. So this is false advertising and it's giving people with addictions and mental health issues false hope.
1: So when you get to that point where you look for help, did you get the help that you needed?
9: No. Eight years.
1: Eight years.
9: Eight years. Now, when I went down to, I was always spent a lot of time down the channel, but when they came out with all this money for mental health, they shut that down. Like, you can barely go in there. You used to be able to go every day and get support. And, like, everything is just pretty much, A, backwards, because all this money is supposed to come out to make more mental and addiction help, but most of it went away, and I know this for a fact. I struggle with it every day, and I have several people close to me that struggle, and we do know that we have problems, and we want help, but we can't get it. So it's false advertising, and if you should take that off the radio and off the TV because it's false hope and makes it worse. The Suicide rates are up, overdoses, drug addiction, because if you can't get help, you need a crutch. You need something to hold on to, and then you end up drinking or doing whatever. Because you need to escape from yourself because you can't deal with it. So where's the help? I want to know where it is. And if anybody out there knows where anybody I know or myself can get it, I'd like to know.
1: So how are you doing now, Selena?
9: Um, You know, I have good days and bad days. Mostly, you know, bad I'm trying to detox myself off of medication that my doctor put me on that I didn't even want. So it's a little bit difficult because, you know, I'm alone and, you know, you're not supposed to do that by yourself. But I no, can't indeed. it's. It. Uh, it, so I'm just trying to do the best I can with it.
1: Well, Selena, keep doing the best you can. Uh, we really appreciate your call this morning. Thank you.
9: Um, Like I said, if you know anybody or anybody out there knows anywhere that I can get or anybody I know can get help and they're getting it, if they can share it, that'd be nice. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Selena there, if you have any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call or anything else you've heard this morning or want to raise on your own. uh, Give us a call. Um, We have lines open.
0: You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Uh, Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today. And, of course, we've seen this influx of uh, foreign um, journalists coming to St. John's. St. John's, of course, the staging base for this massive rescue operation off the uh, southeast coast. And uh, so we've seen people coming in from all over the world. Um, and in fact, there was a news conference yesterday involving Horizon Maritime and uh, quite a few reporters there, including VCM's Richard Duggan, who's you know, was a little taken aback by, uh, you know, a different approach taken by uh, reporters in other areas who are used to huge scrums. And they all got to sort of fight for their position to get their questions asked and, and that sort of thing. But um, uh, so a little bit of a different uh, take on things to see how uh, they do it in other parts of the world. Very interesting indeed. Of course, we have, uh, you know, just a handful of, um, you know, reporters going at any given time here in Newfoundland and Labrador and uh, to see this huge influx of uh, reporters from very um, big organizations and big um, uh, population bases. uh, So very interesting to see the different approaches taken there. And uh, it raises questions again about uh, travel and access, air access to Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, uh, VOCM's Jerry Lynn Mackey uh, met up with some of these reporters yesterday just to sort of pick their brains and see where they came from and what they were doing and that sort of thing. She was talking to one reporter from Germany, had no issues whatsoever getting here. He just flew straight to Montreal and then on to St. John's. But uh, a reporter who um, works for the BBC in Toronto, because they have correspondents all over the world, of course, she had a devil of a time getting here, and ended up having to drive from Gander, believe it or not, in a taxi in the middle of the night in the fog, and she called it terrifying, uh, which you can appreciate, and I'm sure at the time she wasn't even thinking about moose, unless the cab driver mentioned it to her. So uh, it's air access remains a big issue, and we've seen what's been going on lately with trying to get various performers into uh, the province, let alone uh, ordinary citizens just trying to get (laughs) get a little bit of vacation time in. So uh, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go now to Sheila. You're on the air. Hi, Sheila.
10: Oh, good morning. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Oh, grand. It's been quite a while since we spoke. How are you? How are things? <laughs>
1: oh, good, I suppose.
10: <laughs> Taken over for Patty for a while. Yeah. Uh, Linda, I had to call today. I had to go. I had the to go at an appointment for my sister, actually, at St. Clair. So I just wanted to join my voice to the throng of people who are complaining about the parking system at St. Clair's. It's terrible, terrible. You, you, are you familiar with it at all? Oh,
1: very much so, yes. Absolutely.
10: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you have to, you go and park. Well, I had my, I was there for my sister's appointment, and uh, we parked in the handicap parking area up on the top, and uh, there's the broken, uh, broken, broken, meters and no signs to say, you know, you have to pay when you go inside or anything like that. So, but fortunately, when you do get to the entrance, there are signs that say the meters, you know, you have to pay the, the meters, whatever it says, but, you know, you have to pay. So you go to the the system and there's a very helpful young man there to assist you in making your uh, choice of how to pay and whatnot. But you have to guess how long you're going to be which is absolutely ludicrous. How on earth do you know how long you're going to be?
11: Not
1: in a and, hospital uh, setting, do you know? You have no idea.
10: No, absolutely no idea. And you know, you may be in the middle of your, uh, in the middle of an examination in your in your johnny coat, and and uh, you realize the time is up. Or uh, in my case, I, you know, I didn't want to leave my sister sitting there alone and go out and and uh, add more minutes to the meter that the, the one of the young women there said, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'm right here with her. So mean she was fine anyway, but I went out and, uh, there's no way apparently to add more minutes to what you already have. Um, if you realize that you're not going to be in a timely fashion. So I just put some more money in or, you know, put some more money, put another whole new system in. And, um, so that was you know that was okay, and uh but it's just I remember a couple of weeks ago some man called in and said, "You know it's a real money grab which you know which it is in in a way, because you go in and you have to put two or three times as much uh time as you need in to make sure that you are covered. Well, that's
1: always been the case, hasn't it? I mean, you have to estimate when you park at a meter, how long you're going to be anyway. Um, but it seems to me that with the, the, the uh, meters broken in that particular parking lot, uh, the system that they set up now is, I mean, does everybody go to that person and pay? How, how does that work? I, I haven't encountered that yet.
10: Yeah, well, you, you go. There's a little meter box there. Now, first of all, you have to remember what your license plate is. Once you get in there, you're not told that when you, you know, when you park your car. And, and some people don't know what their, what their license plate is. Uh, the other thing is, they say, well, you could download an app. Well, that's fine if you have a phone that allows you to download an app that you can just add it on automatically as you're sitting there waiting you know, waiting to get into your appointment. And a lot of people don't. And considering that I would suggest that the majority of people who go to the hospital these days are seniors, a lot of the I'm a senior, but, uh, and I have a phone that could have, you know, have, download an app, but I haven't done it, I haven't downloaded it. Um, but, you know, a lot of people aren't able to do that. And uh, I could, I guess, but I haven't done it. And uh, so it's... Uh, it, the system is is really really not good. You know, if if, it's, if they want to make sure they get money for their parking, which I don't disagree with at all, and the parking certainly cheap enough. Um, if, even if they had the system as they have at health science, you know, you take a ticket on your way in, and um, and when you before you leave, or when you go through the gate after you leave the hospital, you pay on your way out. And if it's if it's the money then charge twice as much for the parking. I mean, it's cheap enough there. Um, but just the system they've got is just absolutely awful.
0: And especially,
10: you know, in a place like that, if I'm going into the mall or if you're going shopping in the mall, you can say, okay, I'm going in for an hour. That's it. Or you can go in for two hours because I've got to go here and there. But when you go to the hospital, you have no control over that whatsoever.
1: Well, uh, Sheila, I'm glad you raised it. We'll see what others have to say about it. Really th- appreciate your time this morning. Thank you.
10: Yeah, and uh, just check with Eastern Health or whoever is responsible for that. And it's, uh, the you know, parking, paying for parking, no problem. But the system that they have in place is, is terrible. Anyway, before, I can't let you go, Linda, without saying uh, on a much happier note that Lars Avalon is having a yard sale on Sunday.
1: I thought uh, I recognized your voice, Sheila. <laughs>
10: yeah. Um, at the uh, it's on Sunday the twenty fifth of June from ten to two at the Deluxe Dry Cleaners parking lot there on uh, Pennywell Road, the corner of Adams Avenue, Pennywell Road. Um, it was raining. We're going to go to the Salvation Army parking lot on Adams Avenue, um, which is just around the corner. So, okay, so uh, let me get
1: that again. L'Arche Avalon is having a
10: yard sale.
1: Yard sale.
10: On Sunday, the twenty fifth of June, is this coming Sunday?
12: Mm-hmm.
10: From ten, excuse me, ten in the morning until two.
12: Mm-hmm.
10: And there'll be lots of good stuff there, and we have coffee and hot dogs and. Drink
1: and where is it again?
10: At uh, the Deluxe Dry Cleaners parking lot. Is there near Buckmaster Circle? You know, on Pennywell Road.
1: Right, Pennywell. Okay.
10: Bottom of Adams Avenue, where Adams Avenue comes out there onto on Pennywell. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, well good luck with that.
10: Come look for look for bargains. We last year we had games and uh, CDs, DVDs, uh, which a lot of people don't use anymore, but we had a lot of games for, you know, people who were gamers.
1: Well, there's collectors out
10: there, you know. kinds of stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Sheila, I pre- appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, well thanks for thanks for taking my call, Linda. Already. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: We're going to go now to uh, John Finn, the executive director of the school lunch program. Hi, John.
12: Hi, Linda. How are you today?
1: Good. Last day of
12: school? Yes, exactly. There's lots of excited uh, teachers uh, uh, and children. I don't imagine the parents so much, maybe, but uh, no, certainly an exciting time and, and great to see the sunshine.
1: For sure. Uh, It's a perfect day for the last day of school. Finally. Finally. My uh, little fellow has been wearing his winter jacket to school every day uh, until yesterday. And this morning he got up and he said, do I have to wear my winter coat? I'm like, please tell me you don't have to wear your winter coat. Anyway. Yeah,
12: we hope not. No, that's for sure. But Nolan, I just wanted to call and say uh, a thank you to uh, to all of our partner schools for you and some of your listeners may be aware. The School Lunch Association operates uh, as a registered charity and provides uh, lunch to children in 41 schools uh, throughout the province. And so on the last day of school, I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to all the administrators, the teachers, um, all the amazing staff, the School Lunch Association, we employed just over... 90 individuals in 41 different kitchens and so without them uh, serving food every day we wouldn't be where we were and also a thank you to all the donors and sponsors um and the folks at the the english school district and the Francophone school district who, who made our year a success we actually just served 1.1 million meals this year just over 1.1 million for our largest year on record
1: that's extraordinary
12: yes absolutely um just uh I last year alone and, and this has been actually the first full school year it's hard to believe last year we we're still into a bit of a COVID world where we lost a, a month of school I believe it was January maybe part of February so finally back to some normalcy you got through a full school year and so yeah just over 1.1 1. 1 million meals were served this year so just a tremendous year and I just want to take a moment just like I said say thank you to all the folks who made that a success um and wish everyone a, a safe and happy summer um also, give a small plug, we have, a um, while the school year is wrapping up, our fundraising efforts as a charity continue. And we have a little end-of-summer-type uh, fundraiser happening at the Bella Vista this Friday night. So Billy Sharp, uh, that folks will be familiar from Billy and the Bruisers. Um, Billy has many bands. His group this time will be joining him at Somerset, uh, as well as Judas Morrissey and the Roadside Attractions. Um, they're hosting an event at the Bella Vista on Friday night. Tickets can be uh, – you can visit our website, schoollunch.ca, all proceeds are going to the School Lunch Association. Um, we'll have 50-50 draws. Uh, tickets are uh, $20 in advance, 25 at the door. And a special shout with the teachers. If you're a teacher and you wish to show a teacher ID, uh, a ticket for you would be just
1: $10. Fabulous, and I, I, I can imagine that one, those 1.1 million meals served, I mean, the costs of putting that together must be uh, very different from what it was, let's say, last year.
12: Yes, absolutely, um, and you and I had spoke on this, I believe, on the, uh, one of your other programs just a few months ago just to talk about some of the challenges into the year. Um, the cost of food inflation is not only impacting families and their ability to pay in, in our charitable pay-what-you-can model, but the inflation is also impacting the the food purchases. Uh, this year we procured just over $2.2 2 million worth of food, um, and so we're seeing, we're seeing increases across the board. Um, it's leveled out a bit. Compared to what it was, I'll say this time last year, but certainly a challenging year all around. Um, but we continue to do it and we, we can't continue to do it without the help of, of good donors and sponsors um, and the parents and, and our partners to make this, uh, make this operation work so we can continue to feed children each and every school day.
1: Does it impact your food choices? Have you had to make some changes there?
12: Uh, not entirely. we am very fortunate to have a great staff to to, to really look at the menu options and menu choices. The biggest challenge I think with school food is when you're looking at providing a meal that would appeal to most school-age children. So, um, you know, a lot of children like your your typical pizza, uh, maybe a, a cheeseburger, these types of items. So we try to stick with things that will commonly appeal to to the widest uh, audience of children. Um, and then we do a great job throughout the summer. So just because the school year ends, our team now will spend the next couple of weeks working with various vendors and trying to source and negotiate different uh, pricing for various products. And because of our large capacity with respect to uh, purchasing in bulk, um, we, we have some negotiating power there, but it's it's still a challenge. But We do our best.
1: Well, if you find what appeals to my son, let me know, will you?
12: <laughs> sure just give us a call
1: <laughs> john finn appreciate your time this morning uh thanks very much and uh, you got a fundraiser coming up this saturday at the bella vista featuring billy friday sharp friday Judith friday. morrissey etc etc etc
12: friday night and you can oh friday sorry friday. yeah friday night the bella vista so yes thank you so much linda wishing you and your listeners a safe and happy summer
1: same to you thank you you're welcome bye-bye and we're going to take a short break when we come back we hope to hear from you and we're back. We are going to go now to the caller on line five. Hello, caller.
13: Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh, upset. Uh oh. I had a scam last night from Bell Promotions Department, supposedly Bell Bell Promotions Department. Right. And it almost cost me eight hundred and seventy-five dollars.
1: Oh, dear. So what was the, how did that work? What, uh, what were they trying to say?
13: They were trying to uh, give me a new phone, new iPhone. And uh, I kept saying, no, I didn't want an iPhone. I didn't want, like, I have one. I don't want, I don't need one. And they said, he, he said that, uh, well, this, you won't have to pay for, and all this, like, It's just the way he put everything. It made, you know, it'll come in on your new bill and stuff like this and you'll only pay so much a month and all that stuff. Uh, The total cost of the phone would have been $781. My phone is still almost a new one. It's only two years old. Uh, The changeover would have been $50-something for it. And uh, I said no to everything. But when I got off the phone, I called, well, I called my daughter, and she told me that it was a scam. And then I called Bell Alliant, and they told me it was a scam, and they put me through to somebody at Bell, and they got everything straightened out for me. And But my phone was with Virgin Plus, and they also, I had called them to say it, and they told me how much the phone was going. It wasn't a the phone they had sent me, uh, he was sending me at all. It was an iPad. And um, other than from me calling my daughter to get it all straightened out, I would have been out over $800.
1: So, how did they, uh, um, so you said no to everything, but so how would they have been? gotten access to your he, phones
13: he asked me if I had a cell phone and I said yes and he said uh, he was just taking down the information like it sounds so legitimate it was just unreal
1: right so you inadvertently through that process uh, provided him with the information he needed right right gotcha yeah because they can be pretty slick can't they
13: they can be
1: yeah that's how that's how they manage to get <laughs> separate people from their money they're very very good at what they do they are yeah
13: As it happened I was able to contact uh, contact uh, virgin plus and they have everything reversed I don't have to pay anything at all. Oh, they have everything reversed and so, it was all done last night before I even went to bed.
1: Right. So before you, so once you hung up, you realized, uh oh.
13: I called my daughter. Right. And she told me it's a scam. Yeah. So throughout, like the next hour, she was on the phone with me, talking me into phoning Virgin and finding out what they had. But then when I looked at my cell phone it came up on my cell phone that uh, it was an iPad.
14: Okay.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, And did you contact Phone Busters or the RCMP or RNC?
13: I haven't yet, but I am going to. Yeah. uh, Yeah,
1: uh, Do that because they they have to keep track of these kinds of things too. Uh,
13: It helps with their... I I did write down Mm -hmm. like towards the end of it, I was really not Feel any of this and I wrote down his name everything that came up on the phone I wrote down yeah everything that came up on my cell phone I wrote down
1: well they tell you that there's a a couple of red flags that uh, you should always keep in mind of Uh, one is an unsolicited call or email or message or text or whatever the case may be something that comes out of the blue that you are not expecting that you did not ask for
13: this came up As Bell Communications, Bell Promotions. Right. Uh, So
1: that's one thing that, uh, you know, generally speaking, they don't do that out of the blue. Uh, Second one is uh, using pressure tactics. When you say no and they continue. Yeah. Uh, So those are usually red flags. Usually what you should do in those kinds of scenarios, especially if you're not interested, just hang up the phone. But whatever it is about uh, humankind, we don't, you know, we, we still try to be polite. I know. If you know what I mean.
13: Yes, uh, I do. But there's
1: nothing wrong with just saying, yeah, okay, never mind, click, and just hanging up on them.
13: Yeah. yeah. Well, I did that, mm-hmm. and he called back.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> he called me back. Well, there's a the pressure phone. tactic for you.
13: He said, uh, oh, we got cut off.
1: No, no, we didn't get cut off, my darling.
13: <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still shaking like a leaf. Yeah, well, for sure,
1: for sure. You don't. I mean, you didn't need that last night.
13: You didn't. And I, I, even though I'm a senior, I'm not old. Like I'm one of the younger ones.
1: Yeah, I gotcha. Well, they're very good at what they do. Uh, apparently, the the lar- largest number of people that they manage to scam are actually very young. It's unreal. So uh, they get all age groups.
13: I wrote down the phone number, everything. It comes up as 1902.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be like a Nova Scotia type number, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you told us about it. Uh, the scams are ongoing. The RNC put out a release just the other day saying that that grandparent scam is going around, and that when, wow, that is clever. That is clever. That's where they throw people off by calling them at, uh, you know, strange hours of the day and night. And it usually starts out with, you know, oh, Nan, Nan, I'm in so much trouble. Nan, I'm in so much trouble. You say, who is this? Is this Janet? Yes, Nan, it's me. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, that's how they get you.
13: Okay. Yeah. Believe me you, I won't be answering anymore.
1: No, my dear. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, giving us a call and letting us know about it. Thank you very much. And we're so glad that you are not scammed.
13: Yes. I I phoned uh, right away. Like As soon as I got off the phone, I phoned uh, Virgin Plus, and they straightened everything out for me. So before I went to bed last night, I knew that it was all covered. And I did talk to their fraud department, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, really appreciate your call. Thank you very much.
13: Okay, thank you.
1: All Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, they're very good at what they do. There is little doubt about it. And like I say, you know, anything that comes in unsolicited and those pressure tactics. And, of course, the big red flag is, Why well, can you go pick up some gift cards or, you know, some really weird Um, never give them any information if they, if they say, we just want to confirm your phone number or we want to confirm your address. Can you tell me what your address is? No, 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 you don't do that. You don't give them information. They should have that information if you know what I'm saying. Now, sometimes if you call, if it's your call that you have made to, um, a company that you deal with and they want to confirm your address, that's fair game. You know what I'm saying? They're just trying to confirm that it's you that's calling. But if somebody calls you unsolicited and wants you to confirm your address and that, well, you call me, you tell me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, they're very, very good at what they do. We're up to news time now. We're going to get another little update on the ongoing search off the, uh, the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador, among the many other things that are happening in the, uh, the world of news and occurrences. So stay tuned for that with VOCM's Brian Medore. Um, and uh, give us a call, won't you, if there's anything on your mind that you want to talk about? Uh, by all means, do so. Here are the numbers.
0: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay, whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.
1: And after a bit of a slow start to the show, uh, the lines are very busy right now. So if you're having trouble getting through, just be patient. We'll get to you as quickly as possible. We're going to start this hour with um, Terry, Terry Smith. Hello.
11: Good
15: day.
1: How are you?
16: Not too bad yourself?
1: Good. What's on your mind?
16: I uh, think the woman spoke about depression, uh, mental health. Yeah. Uh, there's no one there. I agree with her
8: 100%. You can
16: no know, help from all the only one can change things, fury, uh, and he's only talking to the wealthy. He don't talk to the poor, and he don't do nothing for the poor. And then the doctors, well, they don't do nothing. You tell us what the problem is, we have nothing to do with it. And social assistance.
1: Have you encountered any uh, frustrations or, or delays or, or barriers in, in uh, access to mental health services?
16: Well, like I said, I've had uh, appointments to see specialists and social assistants turned around and cancel them on me.
1: Social assistants cancel them?
16: Well, they wouldn't give me the funding, so I couldn't go.
1: Oh, I see. So uh, funding for travel, perhaps, or what?
16: For gas, yes.
1: Ah, gotcha. So you weren't able to get yourself to your appointment?
16: Right on. And they, they think they're much next to God, but I got news for them. But like I said, I've been on 2E. I mean, they needs to go there worse than I do. I knows I got depression. I knows I got it bad. But they won't help a poor person out. I got, uh, what, five, six major problems with my system. I'm not getting into it, but they're bad. And I, I we got people that that is getting wages, and there's just sitting to a desk and saying, "Oh, you're getting the maximum, Mister Schmidt. We cannot help you. I'm getting four twenty-five a hour, the way I understands it and figured out with me and my wife to live off of. Nobody can do that. I like I said. I said I can't pay me heat bill on on time. Right? He said, "Wait till you turn sixty-five. That's from the government."
1: Wow, that does. That, those aren't good answers.
16: Well, why are they still there? Why are they getting a paycheck? I mean, if I couldn't do me—that's well, what happened. I—I I couldn't do my job. I got fired. I stayed home. And nobody else—they don't take three strikes. At least get you out. I mean, it's shocking. And I, I mean, on my behalf, the MHA and that is trying their best, but nobody won't listen. Nobody.
1: So, you say you were seeking uh, assistance to uh, get where you needed to go to uh, get your appointments. Uh, what was that, for your own gas or for a gas for a, a family member or a friend that could take you?
16: Well, for my own my own okay. Yeah. She's only 21 years old, and you must think I got a Cadillac. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's that guy it's that car, it's just sickening. Right. Because she knows the difference. Their cars are driving around brand new. And they're getting money. Both to, well, I even heard them say social workers on TV. Oh, we love to help the people sick and poor. I I, I don't see it. It's shocking. And like I said, I got an air appointment. now come up and go. The the near test done on me, and well, the tests are not going to be done. It can be done in Grand Falls, but the choose dander because Grand Falls is getting overloaded.
1: Wow, but, even farther still
2: from you.
16: Yeah. Yeah, i I I I don't mind that, but they won't even take the mercy on the hospital, or me. It just gives it to you.
1: Yeah, I can hear your frustration, Terry. There's no
16: doubt. Yeah, it's, it's too much. It's too much. It's it's not necessary. And like I said, if I had the money, what the government weighs wasting, every sector, I'd be billionaire over twenty times. They waste too much money. Way too much money.
1: Terry, uh, we're, we're, unfortunately, we're uh, we're our lines are really really heavy here now. We've had a lot of people waiting in the lines. I I, I do appreciate your call though this morning.
16: Yeah, because it's, it's too much. And like I said, the last six years they have been really bad on me because my, my my children got old enough to, to go down on their own, and me, and my wife, we've been, we've been in excuse language, we've been in hell.
12: Yeah. I mean,
16: they don't care, oh, we got to take care of our children. But guess what? Our children rose up to be adults. Yeah. Then they probably. Then they're nobodies. Okay. I'll Terry,
1: be- I, I appreciate your call. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye.
16: Bye.
1: Uh, we're going to go to the caller on line one. Hi.
3: Oh, hello. Hi. How are you? Oh, fine. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Uh have a little uh, new scam. Uh, I got a phone call last night again about utility bills and I thought I should uh, let people know about one that I hadn't heard of before. Okay. Uh a lady f- uh, called and said she was uh, they her company was working with utility companies to give 30% discounts to uh you know people with cell bills um phone bills and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, of course I, they I, are. I played along and, and fibbed a little bit and told her I had a, uh, um, a monthly phone bill of $500, and she quickly put me on to another person. Um, the what the, uh, they proposed to do, they wanted my account number and uh, provider number. They were going to pay, I told them it was all prepaid, so they, they said they would pay my bill. I said, no, it's prepaid on my credit card. They said, well, they what, whatever my monthly amount was, they would pay for me. And as soon as I confirmed with my provider that the amount was paid, I was going to have to send them 70 percent of that amount <laughs> so they would pay a hundred percent of my bill how convoluted I, yeah i would i would f- confirm the payment then pay them 70 percent of the amount uh and in that way save 30 percent i know the math there's a bit of math to it but uh i figured yeah that uh doesn't sound it sounds a little too good to be true so after wasting their time for about 10 minutes i i um uh, told them that I was just playing along and, and scamming them back, but I just thought it was new to me, uh, so I, I would assume um, what they would do was then cancel their payment of 100%, and they would have my 70% of money in hand, so again, I just thought it was a uh, it was something new to me, I thought your listeners would, would probably should probably know that that's another one on the go.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, no, uh, as soon as you said that they anyway, yeah, it's the the ways that they try, it's just uh, some are are more convincing than others. That that one, like you said, they just sounded so ridiculous up front that you you had a bit of fun with them.
3: Yeah, and I gave them ridiculous answers as well. Um, so when I told, when I told them my monthly phone bill was five hundred dollars, they didn't really. I'm sure they didn't bat an eye. They just saw. Uh, uh, Ooh, here's a, a rich big, one, big yeah. For a five hundred dollar amount. So, anyway, just thought I'd let you know, so people out there can can be aware of that one as well. I Appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh,
1: Bye-bye. Wow, they do try a lot of different ways, don't they? We're up to uh, a break. Um, This is uh, VOCM open line, and the numbers are coming up. And, of course, as we know, the search is dominating discussion and uh, attention right around the world, uh, not the least of which is right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Everywhere you go, people are talking about it. It's quite extraordinary. We're going to go now to uh, Frank. You're on the air. Hi, Frank. Hello.
15: Hi, Frank. Hello. How are you? Not bad. That's good. Yeah, I was talking to Patty yesterday morning about this. Okay. And um, this happened in England two years ago. Much the same as what's going on over here. Right. Uh, two men got uh, stuck in a, a mini sub, they were down for uh, 84 hours on the bottom.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh,
15: had... I was talking to Patty about it. And uh, a few hours after that, um, CNN was talking to the the, the, the uh, fellow we all up in the submarine, interviewing him. <laughs> he was telling the story.
1: Oh, well, yeah, no, there's there's a great interest in this story. And, I mean, the uh, international media has really glommed onto it in many ways, and they're getting so many different people and experts and uh, people with experience uh, talking about all of this because it's just dominating uh, the news cycle.
15: They were asking what uh, it was like on the the bottom for three days and three nights, right? He said he was there for 84 hours. Wow. Bottom up, they were bottom up. Upside down.
1: Upside down. Just
15: imagine. And they were strapped in their seats. Wow. That emergency light again. He said.
1: Yeah, and uh, the dark, dark places that your mind goes in that kind of a scenario. I, uh, I mean, I, I dread to think about it. It almost is. It defies, you know, your grasp on, on reality. Um, I think we've, we're have we all thinking about those those five souls inside that little tube oh. down in the darkness.
15: I, I mean, it's job, just... Ooh. I had a job of sleep, I think, after seeing it going through it, right? Yeah, for sure, Every for time sure. I close my eyes, I can see them. Yeah. guys. There's God.
1: There's a viral video going around of a, a gentleman who uh, was uh, caught up in the propeller of the Titanic in a previous trip down... Uh, to the bottom there, and um they, you know luckily they were freed from it, but uh he actually broke down on camera this week uh recounting oh, yeah. that story, broke down like a like a baby uh crying yeah. it, it, you know it, it just speaks to the psychological the profound psychological impact this has, and every one of us can only just imagine what that's like
15: yeah anybody they was asked them uh what it was like he says. I thought they were never going to get us. Eighty-four hours. <laughs> he said that several times.
1: Well, you think about it now. These men who are down there now, uh, presuming that you know that this this is intact and they're they're okay, um, they have no communication. They have no, no. idea no. in this no. world no. if anyone is even coming to get them.
15: No, he said they had. cold, dark, uh, black. You can't see nothing. Yeah. Like in a dark room with no window. Yeah. In the nighttime.
1: Yeah. Pitch black. Thing. Yeah, in like in space.
15: Yeah, 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 and yeah, uh, he, he said that 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 was going to die.
1: Yeah, it's 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 horrific. Uh, the the very thought of it, and I think that's why so many people are so fascinated by this story. the 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 the, the horrific human element of all of this is is just too much for many people to contemplate.
15: Yeah, 12 minutes of oxygen left when
1: we got them. Oh, my God, you talk about it. Well, they haven't made any indication as to whether or not they've well, actually found this particular submersible yet and what will go into trying to get this back up. Uh, so, And we all know that time is, is of the essence here. So. It, oh, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating, it's horrific, it's oh, overwhelming. Yeah. It's a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Frank, thank you for your call.
11: Okay, thanks. Alrighty. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye. We're going to go now to uh, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay.
11: Yes, good morning.
1: Hi, how are you?
11: All right, not too bad. Pretty good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What I want to talk about is the uh, by-elections that was held last week uh, in different parts of the country. I think there was one in Manitoba, or one in uh, Ontario, and two in Quebec, something like that.
1: Okay, federal by-elections?
11: Yeah, federal yeah. by-elections. And I was wondering who won these, because there wasn't broadcast or anything. And the last I heard, like uh, in the news, was they weren't going to broadcast it. Well,
1: it's not that they wouldn't broadcast it. Um,
11: well, yeah. that's what they said, they weren't going to broadcast it. I mean the people of the country, when it comes to stuff like that, have a right to know who's the winner and who's who, who's the losers, you know yeah, and I
1: guess the people in those particular areas would know for certain. Um, yeah, let's see
11: would, but the rest of the country would like to know as well.
1: Yeah, okay. Would, so there was one in you say one in Quebec?
11: Uh, two I think and uh, or was it two in Ontario?
1: All right, Liberals, Conservatives take two seats apiece in four federal by-elections. That was uh, three days ago. Uh, CBC reported voters in four federal ridings are sticking with the status quo, returning two Liberals and two Conservatives to Parliament after by-elections in Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. So there you go. There's your answer.
11: Okay, so uh, uh, which province did the uh, the, uh, Liberals win? Was it Ontario? It was wherever
1: they already had seats. Nothing changed. Um,
11: well, it all stayed the same, eh? Yeah. I see. Okay, I was just wondering because, you know, to me, uh, they... Uh,
1: the two they Liberals, one was in uh, Winnipeg south centre, the other one was in Notre Dame de Grasse, Westmount.
11: Yeah. Okay, but, you know, people should know, like, uh, they should have had it broadcast in the news, you know? Oh, it was
1: in the news. I'm reading uh, the news story right now.
11: Well, it wasn't on... Uh, cbc or N T V well i'm reading like it that.
1: straight off the cbc website so there yeah. you go
11: yeah well i was looking at it on my tv i didn't see anything
1: oh okay very good it was, one or anything. it was probably in the national cast then i don't
11: know where it was i know i didn't see it on my tv screen
1: all right well there you go you got your answer Lindsay. okay
11: look. thank you okay and thanks ha-
1: Bye. all right bye-bye we're going to go now to uh, ivy hi ivy
6: Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad today, thanks. Uh, actually, I'm just calling the f- number one. I want to uh, thank the uh, all the uh, staff, I guess, uh, health care staff from uh, the EMTs right uh, to the seventh floor of the, the uh, Carbondino General Hospital for outstanding service uh unfortunately you know they are understaffed just like every other hospital but i will tell you that it, there is no way in the world that you would ever get better care than what we uh, got from uh, from this staff at uh Terminator General Hospital, or at least that I got at Terminator General Hospital. Not only me; I know the ones in the farm room as well.
1: So that's I great to hear. Uh, then Ivy, did you have an encounter then yourself personally? Oh
6: yeah, I've been I've been pretty sick now actually for about three years. So uh, yeah, I did uh, have an encounter. I was back there. Well, well, just two weeks before that, I was in the I was in the uh, ER for five or six hours. And they sent me home and. the uh, came on but I was anemic to the point that I just, you know I had a well they they call it a mini mini stroke mini stroke uh, heart uh, failure you know oh, that uh, kind of stuff, kind of stuff that happens when you get to be 70 I guess uh and but how are you anyway, doing how are you doing now I'm tired really really tired but I hope that once my blood gets built up to uh an acceptable level, I'll be, I'll be great. But I mean, the, the care, and the, the, you know, like, the, I, I can't, I can't even tell you the kind of care that you get. Like, you know, like they're really, really nice. They're genuine people who actually care. The care is not gone out of Medicare after uh, medical, uh, Medicare, yes, I guess what you call it.
1: And you know but what you're saying is is uh, similar to what I hear from an awful lot of people is that you know most of the complaints are are getting that access, but once you're in. Um, you can't
6: find better people, not better people, and they're worked to death. I wish that like money is not going to do this money is not going to fix it. There's, that is one thing for sure and certain money will not fix the problem. What they need is to to start to educate and to hire our new new uh, students, and our new students should be learning. Uh, right there on the job, like as they're looking at applications and that, because they got so much to learn and remember. So yeah, I I think that there's lots that they can do, a whole lot that they can do, and money is not going to do it. But they certainly what will do it is teaching. That's definitely what will do it. And uh, you know, like you know, the government they're only. You know, like, they need to make sure that, that we retain all those uh, great students who are so willing to learn and to do this work. And they are. I mean, you know, they stay here after hours just trying to help. They're unbelievable. Uh, so I want to thank all those people. And then, of course, I heard uh, uh, the Honorable Minister Pam, a uh, person on there this morning, uh, talking about the road to Harvey Street. And uh, certainly she's been working on this for a long time, maybe seven or eight years. But uh, Harvey Street now, to me, has been made into a very narrow, a narrow, I, I believe that's, that this has to be made into a street that's going to be dangerous in the winter time because uh, it's so narrow. I mean, you know, you get people coming around those turns, especially here by St. Francis. Blessed Moses, I mean, you know, you can't, <laughs> it's unbelievable how fast they are going there. But the street is done. I mean, you know, she's done a great job with, with advocating for that. And then, of course, we have here in our own district, my district of Harbour, Maine. And uh, we have homes there on, a, on the main road. Of course, the same fishing uh, fishing trucks and all that kind of stuff that goes down to port au Goes out this way, because <laughs> I'm on a main road, and we have holes here enough to. Well, I guess <laughs> you want to, to look for a place to bury me if such things are to or Oh dear, in <laughs> a pothole. A pothole. <laughs> right.
1: Well, Ivy, I'm glad to hear that your uh, encounter with the healthcare system was uh, was as good as it could possibly be. Um, Absolutely. Yeah.
6: Could, couldn't ask for better. You couldn't. Uh, like I said, right from right from the emergency the major state, whatever they're called, the jump I don't know, the guys that came here in fire trucks, and I don't know, I didn't know, but I was on fire. So, <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> all those people, and they had their, uh, you know, they, they had uh, their, their uh, people, their technicians, and everything who could certainly get you stabilized. I was stabilized, you know, by the time that I got in on the, uh, the ambulance, I was stabilized and ready to roll, you know?
1: You felt like you were so, in good hands.
6: I was health protected, Rachel, right from, from the time that they came here, and my next door neighbor actually was one of the guys that works uh, at the uh, at the fire station there at Betty Graves. So, yes, I must say I felt in good hands right from the very beginning.
1: Ivy, I'm glad you me. gave us a call. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, We're up to news time now with Brian Medore. Stay tuned for that. When we come back after the news break, we're going to speak with a submariner about the ongoing uh, rescue effort off the coast of Newfoundland uh, when we come back after the news. Um, This is uh, Open Line, and um, we have lines open. Now is your chance to give us a call.
0: Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM.
1: And we're back into the final half hour of the show. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly and all eyes fixed on that site about 400 miles uh, southeast of Newfoundland. And Glenn Fewer is a submariner who no doubt is watching the unfolding search and rescue effort as we speak. Hello, Glenn.
17: And how are we doing this morning, Linda?
1: Well, all right. Uh, how are you?
17: Fine. Uh, Porn, i guess uh the part i don't understand about all this here is first of all how they could let that go underwater number one there's nothing out of safety approved or anything like that uh as, as a submariner one of your well the most important thing about any cruise at all was making your amount of services equal to your amount of dives which basically is safety 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 uh like they're not even reporting that there's a pinger on board that in case you get into a problem you could set this pinger off just the same as they got on the fishing boats it's stuff. only a sonar type that would actually give the ship something to lock in on
1: yeah you mean like uh like you would get on a, a black box so to speak
17: Yes, yeah, because on the uh, subs I sail on, like there's four or five different ways of c- communicating with the surface in case you, you, uh, you couldn't get up. But to have something go down that deep, uh, technology that's not proven. They had one accident with it before because they never had the power to fight the current. And to actually let this thing go down again, I don't understand it at all. Because like on the submarine, everything like I say is all safety. You can't do anything unless everything has been been approved and pressure tested and all this other good stuff. But even just the basics for safety, like a locator a pinger or something like that, there was none of that carried. So personally, I don't understand it at all. I hope for the best, but I think we're going to be looking at the worst.
1: It had some kind of a, of, a, of a beacon of some sort, a ping, some kind of a ping. I don't know if it was an electronic ping or an actual ping, you know what I'm saying. Um, but uh, they lost contact with that, and this is what prompted the search. They lost contact with that just an hour and 45 minutes into the dive. What does that tell
17: you? Uh, they, they must have lost power somehow. You know, if they lost communications... Uh, is either the, uh, something serious, well, it is something serious. It's, it's uh, it was really frightening, actually, especially if you're in the boat and you know that you're down here and everybody is up there and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you're an hour and a half into a dive and you lose communications, if they had an emergency pinger, if they had an implosion, say, well, nothing can be done about anything, but as an emergency type thing, once you if you lose communications with one system, you should have a backup system and a different power supply type thing.
1: What so kind that, of pressures are we talking about?
17: Oh, I'm not quite sure what the PSI is, but it's it's 300 or something, 380. Uh, times more than what it is on the surface, six thousand, six thousand or something like that. It's uh, yeah. it's it's an amazing number. It's a big number. Like you look at all the big submarines that are in the fleets around the world that are made out of titanium and everything. They can't go nowhere near 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 that depth. If everything for that depth is all our ROV, which are tethered. You know, to send something down with a couple of little electric engines on it that they had trouble with before they bounced off the propeller because they they couldn't fight the current, that kind of tells you that what they're actually using is a piece of garbage. It's frightening. It's really frightening, actually.
14: And uh, five
1: people on board.
17: Five people on board, yeah. And, like, all the talk now is Well, they got enough oxygen left, and if they didn't breathe, they slept more and stuff like this, which is a fact. Uh, But I don't hear anything about any safety measures or any talk about any. Just right now, I guess it will come come in the future. But uh, it's a terrible situation, and uh, we hope for the best.
1: Well, there is a, an awful lot of uh, discussion, actually, about uh, the safety measures or lack thereof. Uh, uh, some concerns had been raised several years ago by uh, uh, previous um, employees of Ocean Gate, uh, one of whom was uh, apparently let go for raising concerns, or, you know, ostensibly that's uh, that's the reason given. Um, there was a lawsuit that was filed um, out of court uh uh, you know raising those concerns and there are more and more of these types of stories are coming to the fore is are um, that it, that area is that is international waters is that correct
17: is in international waters That's so who
1: show. would be the governing body for any type of standard or, or can you get around standards if if you are diving in international
17: waters I'm not sure how how that works, but from what I understand is he was skirting the system, saying it was all new technology and there is no standards and all this other stuff. This is what I've been reading now whether it's any any truth to it or not uh I don't know, but the thing is to go down that deep without any oversight is uh is is a fool's game is what it is. It's what do you think this? Cool
1: what do you think this says for the future of uh, um, expeditions to the Titanic wreck site?
17: Uh, I don't know, but the thing is, is, it always seems to have to be something catastrophic before anything is actually done. So hopefully, this here will, uh, you know, there will be talking about standards and what kind of standards are in and what testing is required and everything, but. I don't know what the rules are for in international waters. I don't know if that did apply or not. But it's just, you know, when they're talking about, I haven't read anything on safety systems on it or heard any talk about safety systems on it. And as a submariner, safety was always number one. No matter what your task was, safety was always right at the top of it.
1: Uh, does you know, it take a special mindset to, um, you know, want to go underwater like that in a confined space? I mean, what do you what what do you have to have about you psychologically in order to to do something like that?
17: I don't know. I've been told I wasn't right in the head and everything else, but uh, the the mindset that we had on the sub was it was basically your first suits supercomputer, because everybody on board had to know all the systems, uh, what to do in emergencies. So you had 60-odd brains working in in exactly the same way. So you're actually, I've never ever felt threatened down when I was sailing in the South because I knew there were 60-odd other people looking out for my best interests. Well I think the best, the only interest in that diving down to the Titanic, was money. You know, it's a tourism thing, but the worst part about it is we're, we're, we're not, no regulations. Uh, it's a car, it's a, my understanding, it's a carbon fiber hull. And like the military subs, anything that goes down a bit deep at all, everything is titanium so i don't know there's a lot of variables here it's just the part that got me is the safety thing like external pingers and stuff that they got their own power supply in case of emergency and you know you got the e- the erv on boats and everything which is doing the same thing right yeah uh,
1: some kind of an emergency beacon um uh, the fact that there's yes. knocking, what does that tell you? This, could that be anything at all? Or, or might that actually be um, these uh, men trying to signal something to the surface?
17: I don't know. I really don't know. But if it's uh, if it's spaced apart, it's a chance that, yes, they're down there knocking on the hall. They may have lost power and got stuck in the layer or whatever. But uh, I don't think so. Because if they're if they're up that far that they're hearing the, the knocking and everything, then uh, there should be some sign of them somewhere to, to do with something. I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to say. So. Glenn
1: Fewer, uh, no doubt you with your knowledge and some of the previous callers we've had with their knowledge uh, are watching this very closely. Um, Uh, I mean, we all wish for the best. Uh, What are your feelings now that we're into Thursday?
17: Uh, Personally, I think it's, it's a recovery situation. Rescue, I don't think, is going to be a viable solution, really, because even if they did find it by the time they got the required cables down in it and hooked around it and everything else, that's going to be... Another load of hours. I think people are holding out, hoping for the best. But I, in reality, I think we're looking at the worst. That's just from personal experience. So I hope they find them alive, but I don't put much faith in that happening anymore. But the part that gets me is just all the safety issues. You know, none of them have been talked about or addressed or anything, and uh, to go down that deep in the water without a backup or safety of some kind, you're just looking for trouble, right? So something small turns into something big fast. Uh, as we've seen,
1: like, as as yeah. we're witnessing right now, um, Glenn. Right no now, doubt, yes,
17: yeah.
1: no doubt, some very serious questions are going to start to be uh, raised uh, once this uh, current mission comes to a conclusion, whatever that might be. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, that's Submariner Glenn Fewer there with his thoughts on uh, what's happening and uh, what could be happening, um, and the fact, uh, the questions that he's raising about uh, safety. Um, surrounding all of this and yes we're hearing more and more stories coming out of the international media about uh, serious questions that have been raised in the past about safety related to OceanGate in this particular uh, submersible um, and it will raise even more pressing questions as the days and weeks and months elapse. Uh, your thoughts? Give us a call. And we just heard Glenn Fewer's uh, concerns about safety there. Uh, according to uh, CNN, there's plenty of concern, not only about safety, but also over some other low-tech features of that submersible. Um, according to CNN, a former Ocean Gate subcontractor who worked on the development of the Titan submersible said, while the game controller to operate the vessel may seem low-tech, it was actually by design. Ocean Tech tried to use as many off the shelf items as possible to cut down on research and development as well as costs. Um, so that's some of uh, the concerns that have been raised there. However, uh, uh, the former OceanGate subcontractor says this uh, uh, game controller, which was used to sort of pilot this um, submersible around the area that it needed to be, um, it was actually uh, not a bad feature. Um, Anyway, anyone with thoughts on that is certainly welcome to give us a call. We are, uh, oh, quick scam um, update. Hello, Brenda. Hi,
18: how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I was listening to your open line, and a lady thought off about a scam. Anyway, I come across, I got a call last night, one I never heard talker. It was a gentleman called and he said would this be Miss Brenda and I said yes. I said I'd play him along. Anyway he said this is the visa centre calling and he said we have a promotion he said as long as you are the primary card holder we will give a, give you a promotion of 3 dollars for as long as you are the primary cardholder. He said, uh, I got to ask you, what is the expiry on your credit card, on your visa? And I said, I'm not telling you that. I said, you should know that. And he said, just hang on the line one moment. And then next thing, he hung up and he didn't call that. So it
1: is a scam. Yeah, anytime you get that sort of scenario, it's usually a scam. Sometimes they put you on to a higher pressure type person, too. Uh, uh, that's been known to happen. There's, okay, yeah, I've got a little bit of a, a live wire here. I'm going to pass you on to somebody who knows how to deal with the likes of you. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but but I, uh, I hear them out,
18: like, you know? Yeah. Normally I don't answer those calls.
1: No, no, that's right. And uh, now even your phone will notify you and say, likely a scam, right? Now, sometimes yeah. they're legit, uh, but it will uh, it will warn you when it's um, likely a scam, which is kind of interesting as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Brenda, good on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh,
18: you're welcome, my love. Have a good day.
1: All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go now to Judy. Hi, Judy.
14: Oh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I've been on. Just a second. I get away from the other phone. Ah, I've been on the computer and uh, and uh, anyway, the reason why I called Linda, you used to be on Nightline there years ago when I was facilitating the fibromyalgia self help group of Newfoundland and Labrador. I don't know if you remember me. I or do. Not.
1: I do indeed.
14: Yes well anyway, since I moved to New Brunswick in two thousand four i was um well i was made uh, volunteered as a director for the national m e f m action network and for and for the atlantic provinces and we are um advocacy group that who um, do a lot of advocating for the uh the people suffering from fibromyalgia chronic fatigue syndrome myalgic encephalomyelitis and of course multiple chemical sensitivities and uh, we just celebrated our 30th can you believe 30th anniversary imagine last sunday and it was pouring rain the whole day cuz i was go i had a going to set up in my garden and have an open garden because i sort of isolate myself from having a lot of people in my home because of COVID. You you know, we don't hear the word very much anymore, but it's still alive and well. And uh, I had two visitors from Moncton come and uh, sat in our my living room, and uh, the rest of them, of course, they didn't show up because it was too rainy. And uh, so anyway, while I was there, um, uh before they came and before I was shredding, I shredded a lot of the paperwork that uh, we have done uh, for the last, well, for 24 years. It was like letting go because, at well, I'm 77 now and uh, I'm, well, I, I'd like to work on, volunteer, but... Um, I've never retired, even though I was uh, medically retired from my nursing career in uh, in 1998, which is uh, quite a while ago, and I have not been gainfully employed since then, only volunteer work, but I'm living quite nicely well here in Fredericton, living within my means, and uh, so uh, that's why I call today. If anybody wants to uh, go and look up the National MEFM Action Network, and we've put together um, a magazine and telling all the work we've done in the last... Well, I've only been at it for 20 years, but they've been at it for 30 years. Just amazing, yeah. It's, and, uh, you know, we've done so much, but we... You know what's really helping the, uh, our cause today, Linda? And that is that people who've developed COVID and got, got supposedly got better, but they didn't get bit better, and they had the long haulers. I'm sure you've heard of people who've had COVID and they sort of didn't get better. And so now there, there's a lot of research going on, and money is being poured into uh, research to find out why people who got uh, the, the, the COVID and, the, and those viruses, these retroviruses, amen, or whatever they call them, there's all kinds of names put on them. It's, it's helping people like m- me and others who have been diagnosed with with an illness that people think it was all psychiatric. And it was far from psychiatric. In fact, medications that they treat psychiatric patients make a lot of people like me worse. So at 76 now, last year, I got diagnosed with uh, liver disease simply because I was forced on medication 2016 underneath my tongue because they thought I needed this medication. And they even tried to give it to me in ointment to go on my neck when I broke out in a rash. So anyway, I haven't had an alcoholic beverage in uh, 25 years. And here I am now with a strict diet trying to... To because uh, livers got a wonderful way to
1: recover, yeah, they do um, uh Judy, unfortunately we're completely out of time. We had yeah. such a busy last hour that i'm f- I'm sorry we pushed you back so oh, late, okay. but there's so many calls waiting there. I uh, yeah. really appreciate your time and um, congratulations on thirty
14: years. <laughs> Thank you, and anybody wants to see the magazine go there and uh, and and look it up and and see how much behind the scenes work has been done in for, with our group, our little group from Ottawa. Judy, stay well. Thank you. Thank you for okay. listening. Bye. Right. For
1: now. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Judy's had the last word on VOCM open line this morning. There's a moose on the Trans-Canada Highway by the Holyrood Access near the Blue Bluefin. So please be aware of that. If you're traveling in the area, keep your eyeballs open. Of course, anywhere across Newfoundland and Labrador right now, keep your eyes open for the moose because they are on the go. Moose on the Transcanda Highway by the Holyrood Access Road near the Bluefin. Please keep your eyes peeled for that. Keep your speeds down. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Patty is off again tomorrow, so do join us then. And for News Talk this afternoon, my colleague Brian Callahan has uh, offered to step in and take care of hosting duties there, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone.